Damn it! How long have we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hi there, everybody. It's the Wrestling Life. This is episode 168. Thanks for checking us out on iTunes and SoundCloud this week. I'm Liam. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, so much to talk about this week. And so much we can't talk about. Yes, we have uh, an exciting weekend in Brooklyn that Ethan had. Not just uh, the TakeOver show, which we'll get to in a second. He, uh, He met some people. He went to a comedy show. Plenty to talk about. But we will start with, I guess, the big news of the weekend, which would start with NXT TakeOver, Brooklyn 4. Ethan, uh, just your big picture thoughts, being there live, uh, enjoyable experience, better than watching it on TV. Uh, would you go back, I guess? Oh, I would definitely go back. It was a great show live. Um, there was a Pete Dunn match. Uh, he wrestled the guy who won the UK tournament this year zach gibson i believe yeah i couldn't remember his name for the life of me um in the pre-show they had a or the uh they taped for television they had a match that was great uh the nxt um tag title match that kicked off the takeover uh part of the show was just ridiculously great oh yeah um i think the adam cole ricochet match must have been better on television because I, w- I watched it, and I thought, oh, it's a good match. But I was not, you know, I read you and other people say, you know, match of the year candidate, and it did not come off that way to me in the building. I liked the opener best, oh, actually, on the card. But Well, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely saw some split between people saying, yeah, it was just good and not great, and then people that like me who thought, at least for WWE, might have been one of the better matches. I just love the way it was put together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we talked about this a little bit with uh, during Best of the Super Juniors with Marty Skrull. Uh, he's not a spectacular uh, high flyer like Will Ospreay, but he's a perfect base for a guy like Will Ospreay. Uh huh. And I thought the same thing with Adam Cole in that match. Like he is not the flashiest guy. He can pull out you know cool moves here and there, but he I thought he was such a great uh, foil for the uh, incredible offense that Ricochet had. Yeah, that, I I can see that. That makes sense, and uh, I don't know why Ricochet isn't uh, wrestling for the WWE or the Universal Title right now. It's a waste of his prime, but it's how they do things. Well, he's got to learn the hard camera first, you know. Sure, he's got to get figure out where the camera is. And uh, I'm curious what you thought of Gargano and the finish to Gargano and Champa because um, how did, how did that go in the building? Because crowd didn't love it okay it it wasn't a uh it was more a it was a little bit of a oh boo uh the heel one and a little bit of groan um they did this to get heat yeah <laughs> i feel like it was split it was a split reaction what do you think of the storytelling there um i mean the basic story they're telling that gargano 
is so consumed by his rage that he's gotten away from, you know, what brung him of being, you know, the world's greatest baby face and is now, you know, acting just like the man who he hates more than anything. I get what they're doing, but for one thing, this feud started with uh, Gargano winning clean by submission. Yes. So anything that's come after this idea that, oh, he's on this quest to finally beat uh, Ciampa, it's like, I saw him beat him. He beat him the first time. And then they just kept feuding. So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there. And then two, yeah, that felt like a, that's just one of those red flags that comes up where you go, oh, this is a Triple H book promotion, isn't it? <laughs> to me. Um, well, I don't like stupid baby faces. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, I guess we can move. Uh, any other thoughts on the show? Uh, Matt Riddle debuted. Oh, yeah. Uh, how, how, how was his reaction in the building? I heard someone say it was probably bigger in the building than it sounded on TV. Yeah, he got a superstar reaction. It was a, it was a legit sellout, which I... Oh, nice. Um, they had... Obviously, they tape off probably, you know, or they curtain off um, maybe four or 5,000 seats just with the stage set up. But aside from that, there was only maybe one section that was like tarped off. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was a legit sellout. Anyway, so Riddle got a a superstar reaction. And I guess my only other note from the show is that it's pretty clear to me which matches Shawn Michaels is the agent for in that, <laughs> in that it's it goes a, totally against the old school wrestler mentality of don't do too much. Don't burn the crowd out. Shaw's just like, look, go do all your best stuff. <laughs> and I'm not, I, I don't know for a fact that he agented uh, the opener on this show and the Adam Cole Ricochet match and the main event, but I would bet a substantial amount of money that he at least agented the opener, the opener on that, on that card. Just because his, his philosophy seems to be go out there and do all your best stuff. And that's yeah, we don't see yeah. that on the main roster, definitely. And although I do think we got some of that on SummerSlam, which we'll get to in a minute, um, I also definitely think he agented the Velveteen Dream match because the first like two minutes of that were straight out of Hogan and Michaels. <laughs> there, yeah, there was some that, and I, I, I like that, um, or it's very clear to me that someone saw Velveteen Dream and his body reminds them of Rick Rude's body. And so they're like, you have to work exactly like Rick Rude. <laughs> there was a lot of Rick Rude ultimate warrior in that match. Also. Um, I think dream can do more than kind of what they pigeonholed him into working exactly like Rick Rude. I mean, Rick Rude was a fantastic worker, but it's 30 years later and the business has evolved. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I saw a lot of people, including Triple H, kind of throw EC3 under the bus for that match and maybe not being great. Um, I guess in his his Facebook thing he does after shows, he he was just talking generally about how if you're, it doesn't matter where you've been when you come here, you've got to take it to the next level. But then mm-hmm. he sort of casually dropped EC, EC3's name about three times <laughs> while he was making that point. So I think maybe Papa Paul wasn't too happy with one of his NXT sons. Well, have I mi- have I missed something somewhere where EC3 is supposed to be this great worker? Like, I no, know can, no I know one's he, ever I, said that. I know he can talk. I know he has the promo stuff down. He has the character work down. But I've never thought of him as like a great worker. What were people expecting? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, his best stuff in TNA that I 
that I saw was always his his promos and yeah like if if he's in there with another uh, with someone super talented like or someone really over someone like Sting and TNA or something yeah he may have you know a better match so to speak I don't think he's like the worst guy in the company or anything but he is a very he's a throwback to a someone they would have signed in like 2004 I feel like he'd already be on the main roster obviously right but uh it's very much yeah he's he's a great personality he's like he's a little bit like i don't know is it insulting to call uh, compare someone to like buff bagwell or actually before <laughs> his neck injury he was actually probably a pretty good worker but i i've watched a lot of early buff and you can definitely see why buff got a million chances in this business <laughs> like i just don't think buff ever found the next gear <laughs> yeah but that's I was talking about Buff Bagwell. I don't know. Uh, that's my fault. That's my bad. But yeah. So overall, I I would say on t on the TV side, it was it was a pretty darn good show, other than the, sort of the minor stuff we mentioned there. But yeah, I just wanted to mention about Riddle. Uh, there's a great uh, like ten minute documentary that Evolve put out on his his last shows for them. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a favor and watch that because it's it's real emotional. Listen to him talk about like what pro wrestling has given him and. Just seems like a really cool guy, and it's cool to see him uh, find success, especially when he's only been doing this for a couple of years. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does in in NXT. Yeah, good times. All right, moving on. uh, SummerSlam, uh, the show I think just ended as we're recording this. It was very, very long, especially if you watch the pre-show. Again, just big picture thoughts. What, uh, What was your thoughts on the SummerFest this year? I guess usually because I don't know the last 10 months or so my reaction at the end of every WWE pay-per-view was, Oh my gosh, thank God it's over. (laughs) And in this one, just like, all right, it's over. Um, like maybe that meant it was a better show than usual. Yeah. Uh, Like, I feel like the wrestling was a little bit better. I actually watched most of this show twice. Uh, I watched the replay later that night on the network and I thought the wrestling on the show was um, a lot more solid than, I don't know, the last number of pay-per-views. Yeah, I thought everybody was on their A game. Um, one of the things I thought you mentioned this with the NXT show is that it wasn't the normal thing. Also, we didn't really have any buffer matches that you're kind of used to on a WWE show. Mm-hmm. I guess those the matches that would have been the buffer matches were all on the pre-show. So... Mm-hmm. You just, I mean, everybody, everybody kind of went all out. I mean, and there were some, there were some, obviously, maybe some, some crappy finishes. I wouldn't have done two DQs on the on the same show and in title matches, but I mean, I thought overall, top to bottom, again, it's like, if you grade on the curve that yes, all these shows are too long, yes, you're you're going to be begging for them to be over ninety nine percent of the time. By the time they're over, this one I thought was one of the better ones WWE has put on uh, all year. Um, AJ Styles and Joe, I thought had a a they were better than I expected, if I'm being honest, because I didn't know we talked about this before what either of those guys had left. Yeah. Um, did you like the DQ finish there? If would you have liked it more if there wasn't one three matches earlier? I would have I was a little bit uncomfortable just having AJ's <laughs> wife and young daughter there. <laughs> like yeah, yeah like, I guess maybe that's the idea, but every anytime I see children in this business, I'm like, no, please get the children <laughs> as far away from this as possible. 
Um, so you're saying you don't want to see AJ and Joe have a ladder match for the custody of, of AJ's daughter? No, no, I don't. Um, but as far as like old school heel getting heat stuff, I thought that stuff was tremendous. Um, DQ didn't bother me. I thought it actually made AJ look, look good and tough and strong. So I don't have any problem with it. Um, and it didn't really bother me that there was one earlier on the card. Like, yeah, I thought, oh, wow, that's weird. Two DQs on your third biggest show of the year. That's strange. But uh, I don't know. They, they, I, I didn't have a problem with it. That's fair. And they did uh, on SmackDown this week. The New Day just won the tag titles. So uh, they did kind of, they didn't make you wait long to get to reward you for sitting through the DQ. Yeah. Um, they didn't expect you to wait another six weeks or whatever to the next show. So I think that's, that, that was all right. And I, I did like the idea that AJ uh, doing that. Because again, it is old school because now the heel can demand another title match saying this coward was so scared of me that he had to get himself disqualified. And then, of course, and of course, in reality, we all know that it's really it's just a man standing up for his family. So I think, yeah, I thought that worked. Uh, Ronda Rousey won the women's championship. Uh, Not that are yelling spots like John Cena. <laughs> And Jonathan Coachman was pointing pointing that out to us. So he is the he is the worst. I mean, he's very much a WWE commentator in that, much like they highlight your weaknesses yes. <laughs> and and ignore your strengths. Uh, if there's a problem with you, Coach will either uh, purposely or inadvertently point it out. Yeah, he likes he likes to do that. But yeah, so Ronda won the title, gave a. Very bad speech on Raw on Monday night, I thought. And then uh, put Stephanie in an arm bar again. Uh, I guess overall thoughts, how's... Nobody's turned on Ronda yet, right? It feels like maybe we're getting close to that, but no, it hasn't happened yet. I mean, we can't turn Natty now, right? <laughs> I would sure hope not. When the cold crowd was chanting for her and she was tearing up, I was like, the idea that anyone would ever think that turning this woman into a bad guy is a good idea. It's they, like they just turned Becky though. No, that was my segue. <laughs> Thanks a lot for ruining it. <laughs> Speaking of people that you should never have even entertained the thought of of turning heel, Becky Lynch turned heel after Charlotte won the world title or won the women's title on SmackDown for the seventh time. Uh, Becky turned heel to raucous applause and then she came out on SmackDown and it's not a Shades of Grey thing. She's a heel. She healed on the crowd. She healed on Charlotte. And then they did a big pull apart. Um, shouldn't there be like a three strikes policy where if you make three decisions that no person in their right mind can make, you don't get to book wrestling no more? Yeah, I think you don't get to book the territory no more. <laughs> I think <sighs> They did it. You, you, uh, you called it. This is the least happy I've ever been to uh, to claim a scoop on uh, on this show. But yes, Becky Lynch, the the eternal babyface, who stayed over much much bigger than the level of her push over the last three years. Uh, her reward for all that, much like Sami Zayn before her, and uh, and quite a few others, is they're going to turn her heel. This I get vibes that this is going to go like that Randy Orton and Christian program. <laughs> where Christian lost to Randy Orton, so he turned heel, and then his reward for turning heel was to lose to Randy Orton like nine more times. That's how I picture this going with Becky and Charlotte. Can, can you can you please forgive me for making this analogy? 
but I get, I get the the feeling that this Becky turn is going to go like every WWE Matt Hardy heel turn attempt. Ooh. Please let that be the only time I ever bring up Matt Hardy and Becky Lynch in the same sentence. <laughs> Boy, but, I hope so. But WWE fans have never wanted to boo Matthew Hardy. And I just I have a hard time seeing this Becky thing working long term. Well, I mean, and it seems if you if you pay attention to social media, they're gonna do that horsewomen match. And soon. I don't very soon it would be. I don't know if that's at the women's pay-per-view or if that's at the... I, no, I think they said all the women's titles, so that would involve Ronda losing the belt between then and now, I guess, if they didn't want her to be the... If they wanted to do that match, the women's pay-per-view. So, but Survivor Ronda's, Series? Yeah, I think so. And Ronda's, Ronda's got to wrestle Nikki Bella. Yes, of course. You would. It's the, the most mainstream women's match they've got, so... <sighs> And apparently, according to like Google Google Trends and stuff, that's true. Which, as we all know, that's that's that doesn't matter. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I guess the idea of that story is going to be all of the WWE women are more experienced, but they all hate each other. So, but they have to find a way to coexist while all the MMA women are less experienced, but they all uh, are the best of friends. So they'll so it's one cohesive inexperienced unit versus one experienced unit that all hate each other. I guess that's what the story is going to be. It's kind of the opposite of a Vince Russo uh, New Blood versus Main Event Mafia (laughs) storyline. In a Vince Russo's world, all of the established uh, stars are heels and they all get along great. And then the young plucky baby faces all hate each other and get squashed. Yeah, that sounds about right. Although I think in the the Millionaire's Club one, the Millionaire's Club were actually the good guys. <laughs> Jeez. They certainly got cheered like the good guys anyway. Because they God all knows what the intention was. <laughs> they were all out there doing their baby face promos. <laughs> Gosh, I hate that company. Well, but we might one day do like a, for one of our patented Evergreen shows, just do like a WCW 2000. Uh, retrospective show or something because there's a lot of stuff to get into like Hogan trying to be Austin randomly in like <laughs> midsummer of 2000 didn't make a, a lick of sense and Ric Flair wrestles in a polo and slacks on every show Jeez. speaking of which Finn Balor came back look at these segues I've got going Finn Balor came back as the demon this week and won in uh, about two minutes and then his reward was the next night to lose clean to Roman Reigns and be made an afterthought uh, for that, the aftermath of that match. Uh, things looking up for our buddy Finn? <laughs> Just kidding, he should quit. No, he should, he should quit. And uh, uh, speaking of guys who should quit, uh, Braun Strowman beat Kevin Owens in like 90 seconds. Yeah, I have no idea why they hate Kevin so much. It's been like almost a year since he and Sammy got sent home now. <laughs> like, You know, and it's like, I keep mentioning this. It's like, this is the, the mankind Mick Foley career trajectory he's on right now. Like, I think he realizes he's not ever going to be Vince's guy, so he wants to be the one who works with all of Vince's guys, and then maybe he'll get, like, a a bone thrown his way, and he'll get to win the belt one or two more times later on. But it's like, to do that, you've got to take, in his mind, you've got to take the stupidest bumps possible. It's like, so you're wrestling a 90-second squash, and you took two flip bumps on the floor and a choke slam on the ramp. Oh man, Kevin! Kevin, just quit, man. It's fine. Just go. All right, moving on. Uh, I guess we can just talk about uh, main event. Uh, Brock Lesnar lost the title 
our our long national nightmare is over, and uh, the big dog is uh, is is the champion. They just pulled the trigger and did it. They kind of made uh, Braun Strowman look like a numb nuts, but they did it. How about that? Yeah, they they did it. They found a creative way to not have the fans completely crap on the entire match. They only crapped on part of the match. <laughs> and then crapped on the aftermath, but that doesn't matter because they went off the air already. They went off the air with Roman's music playing and the crowd <laughs> booing vociferously. Yes. <laughs> as most pay-per-views over the last four years have ended. <laughs> yes, but at least the crowd had not realized yet, perhaps, that they were off the air and that Braun wasn't going to cash in after all. Right. So, and uh, then they kind of did the same thing on Monday, but oh yeah, the Shield reunited again. Yeah. And uh, and I guess we're, we're going to get Braun some partners and do a six man at the next show or uh, I don't, do you have any feeling for like, is there a long, uh, LOL. Is there some sort of long-term idea here with putting the shield back or just trying to get Roman cheered? Uh, I think it's just trying to get Roman cheered. I mean, beats the hell out of me. I don't know. Unless, you know, Dean turns this time and Dean goes with Strowman or something. Like, I don't, I just, I can't get excited about Braun Strowman trying to find a couple of partners. Like, (laughs) This is a guy that I've seen uh, hit, you know, throwing over ambulances and getting hit by 18 wheelers and tipping over porta potties and <laughs> and yeah. and like one power one F5 at SummerSlam put him down and one power bomb on Raw put him down. Like uh, you can't do all this cartoon character stuff and then have him just sell. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I feel you there. Um, you know what would have maybe been good, and I I have been. Like, one of the few programs I think WWE could put together that I'd really been invested in would be a long-term Roman Reigns and Finn Balor program. And They, they have every, great chemistry. Every time they work together, it's great. They've had, I think, three matches on Raw over the years, and they, they're all really good. It's like, you know, put... They moved Gallows and Anderson to SmackDown so they could do nothing over there instead of doing nothing on Raw. And it's like, why didn't you, like, if you had put, get, turn Finn, because now he's, like, number five babyface now that Dean's back, and do Balor Club against the Shield, and then you build to Finn versus Roman, and Seth and Dean can still split off to do single stuff, or a tag team, or whatever, on the undercard, and, but then for your main event feud, have Finn and Roman Reigns. Like, that sounds so much more exciting to me, and so much more interesting. But instead, Finn just, after two years... Finn finally gets his universal title rematch and he just loses on a raw. All right. Let's uh, any other notes from SummerSlam you think worth talking about, or should we move on to the fun stuff? No, I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's about time to move on. All right. Well, let's move to your Friday night. You went and you saw a comedy show that featured Dolph Ziggler and friends. Uh, worse than it sounds, better than it sounds, an enjoyable experience. Uh, you have the floor here. Ultimately, it was an enjoyable experience. Um, there were a lot of people on this show that had not done stand-up comedy before that were attempting to do stand-up comedy. And as someone <laughs> who has done a little, very, very, very little bit of stand-up comedy, I've done stand-up three times in my life, um, you there are people that are adequately prepared there are people that are over prepared and get lost in their own head and then there are people who are just not prepared and they think that 
hey man i'm good at talking I'll, i can go up there and wing it um i think uh unfortunately charlie caruso probably fell into that uh category um she was without a doubt uh the, the worst stand-up comedy performer <laughs> on the show ouch um there was a a guy wearing a t-shirt that said i'm a charlie caruso guy and i would just like to say that i hate him <laughs> no reason no reason at all um uh-huh. scott stanford was on this show uh, oh. as as one of the friends and he did a very very foul uh obscene uh explicit <laughs> stand up set <laughs> that okay um i i can't look at scott stanford the same way again uh let's just put it that uh renee young was the host for the evening and the crowd loved Renee, and Renee did, Renee did a nice job. But one of the first things that Renee did was ask for everyone uh, not to shoot any videos tonight because <laughs> we don't want anyone to lose their jobs. <laughs> ah. uh, let's see what else. Tommy Dreamer did a, st- a stand-up set on this show. And honestly, I think Tommy Dreamer was the best guy on the show. And, that, and there was also a professional comedian and... <clears throat> Dolph Ziggler was the headliner. Um, uh-huh. uh, and I think Tommy Dreamer was probably the best guy on the show. In terms, <laughs> in terms of putting together putting together a set, or like clearly he did his homework, and you know I'm not a big Tommy Dreamer guy. Sure. <laughs> but Are I there pr- big Tommy Dreamer fans in the world? Like I don't know anyone that's like that was that's my guy. Uh, the the uh, four hundred people or three hundred people in, in Caroline's on Friday night all seem to be Tommy Dreamer guys, but okay. <laughs> um, I'm not saying everybody hates him. I just, I, I have not interacted with many uh, Tommy Dreamer stands as I, I believe the, the young kids say. Yeah. I think we might be a little bit too far South. Like I think it might be a tri-state New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey thing. Okay. Um, just because of, you know, ECW's home base and all that stuff. I feel like maybe there was some of that. But, all right. Well, God bless him. Good. Um, while let's see, uh, Ziggler, I don't respect, and <laughs> and I don't respect him as a comedian because he took notes out onto the stage with him. Ah, it's like, dude, you're headlining. He's the you know one of the two biggest comedy clubs in New York. Can you at least have the self respect to memorize? You know, to do an act <laughs> like. Who who carries notes out on the stage with him, or at least like tape your notes to the to the stool? You know what I mean. So yeah, I can't see that you're reading your set list. Like, I don't respect that. That's fair. <laughs> um, I mean, it, Ziggler's material in and of itself was not bad, but he did this annoying thing where he would laugh at his own jokes and he would laugh at himself, and it seemed like a really fake laugh. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I don't respect Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Me either. Hornswoggle did comedy on this show. Hornswoggle was pretty funny. Um, the pro comedian guy, I guess he does a wrestling podcast. It's like the comedians of wrestling or something, or the wrestling comedians, or I don't know. It wasn't uh, Dan Soder by any chance, was it? Mm, I I know I've I've heard his bit before though. Uh, I I I don't know. It, okay. It, 
It, it might it might have been. I, I honestly don't remember. Um, Zack Ryder no-showed. Ooh. Well, you know. <laughs> um, so everybody crapped on Zack Ryder all night. Um, let's see. The I- Iconics made a cameo on stage. Um, six stars for that. <laughs> uh, Tyler Breeze didn't do much of anything. Um, let's see. I think that's most of the notes from the show itself. It it was it was more of a novelty seeing wrestling people in a different setting and sure. in, a, in a small venue, and um, yeah. So for for that reason, it w- it was enjoyable. Uh, and the, some of the ancillary stuff was pretty entertaining. So um, my wife and I got there. And we had to, they were making us wait in line outside because Caroline's is a small club. Uh, it holds maybe 400, three, 400. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bar outside the, like the showroom that holds maybe another hundred people or so. And the previous show had not let out yet. And so for fire code reasons, they were not letting people into the building. So we had to wait outside uh, um, in the rain <laughs> at, at midnight uh waiting to get in but while we were waiting in line we encountered a wrestling fan and uh this young lady i guess had just met she'd just gone to a meet and greet or something and um clearly like most wrestling fans had some kind of undiagnosed social issues (laughs) um and and was having a difficult time coping with the fact that she just like met a, a bunch of people i don't know she had a signed program she was wearing a roman reigns hat uh-huh. Um, anyway, so while my wife and I are staying there making small talk with her and with the doorman, the doorman, by the way, had done improv with Charlie before, uh, huh. which was interesting. And then, so as we're, we're standing there, like, I guess there's only one entrance to the club because people start rolling up. Charlie rolls up and we see her interact with the guy that she did improv with, improv with, and she recognizes him. <laughs> so it turns out he's not a liar. Uh, <laughs> And like Renee just comes walking up the sidewalk in, you know, in, in New York city and walks into the building. And while this is going on about mm, 50 feet away across the street, I see this cartoon character like start bobbing towards me. (laughs) And I just see uh, blonde hair and insane Joker red lipstick and gigantic fake boobs bouncing towards me. And uh, and it turns out it's Dana Brooke and her mom. Dude. <laughs> it's Dana Brooke and her mom. What would be the meanest thing you've ever said on the show? It's just, it's true. It's just, no, you, you, you're going to sit in this one by yourself. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not bailing you out on this. I'm not trying to be mean. She looks like, when you see Dana Brooke out of context, you see Dana Brooke on the street at midnight? <laughs> I'm just... I think think she's a woman and I respect women. So that's what I think about that. Anyway, so then Dana Brooke walks up and she thinks that uh, the awkward wrestling fan and I work at the comedy club. And she's asking, you know, is there, I think there's tickets waiting for me. Is there any way I can get in? And the awkward wrestling fan is just like, I just met 
Roman Reigns. And Dana, <laughs> Dana Brooks like, oh, wow, that's so cool. She's like, no, you don't understand Roman Reigns. And then Dana <laughs> Brooks like, no, I, 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 I know who Roman Reigns is. I actually... I, I wrestle for WWE. My name's <laughs> my, my name's Dana Brooke. He's <laughs> like, like, like a and she looks at me. He's like, is there like a manager or something I can speak to? And I'm like, well, you can talk to uh, Dalton, the uh, the doorman there, and he'll you know he'll let you in. Uh huh. So that was my brief interaction with Dana Brooke. God, um, I'm so mad that story doesn't end. Now that I know what the guy's name was, that it wasn't Dalton Castle. Well, I'm. It was either Dalton or Tony Dalton. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Charlie called him Dalton, but then we heard him referred to as Tony. Like you could get Tony from Dalton, I guess. I just I don't think I've ever heard that before. But uh-huh. any, nice. anyway, I uh, hear that name, and I just I'm sure. imagining Dalton Castle was your doorman now, in mm-hmm. like full Dalton Castle garb. So that's 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 a pleasant little uh, condiment on on this uh, this lovely story you're telling us. Sorry, Indeed. continue. So we get inside. We get inside the club, and all the VIPs and all the people with more expensive tickets were seated before us. And that group included Sam Roberts, um, yes. who was there with a guy I, I didn't know. And uh, I did see WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry. Oh who, wow! Who was sitting at a bar table, um, just full of food, like <laughs> burgers, wings, onion rings, fries, just. A table full of food, and, the, and that's, that's interesting because he's he's looking pretty svelte. He was at the NXT show on Saturday. Just chowing down. Awesome, uh, good for Mark. But it's nice. I, I thought it was cool that Mark uh, came out to support uh, his friends. Uh, Bob Rude uh, was there. He made a brief cameo. He popped out from like the backstage area to watch some of the show and people started chanting glorious because you, <laughs> you can't take wrestling fans anywhere. Yes, uh, obviously. So, so he uh, he went back inside. Uh, I had to turn around and yell at a man uh, during the show who was just drunk and yelling things in my ear and uh, he immediately backed down which was nice. Uh, and yeah, so overall um, good experience there. No, uh, no official meet and greet. I felt bad for the talent because, like, before the show, while everybody's waiting to get in, uh, Renee and Breeze came out just because they wanted like a drink of water, and they got uh, ambushed by wrestling fans as they stood at the bar waiting to get their <laughs> their water. Right. And you know they were kind and they were nice and they took a couple of selfies, but then they ducked back in because they're getting ready to perform. And right. <laughs> They did sell separate meet and greet things, but that was for after the show. The show ended at like two thirty in the morning, and then everybody wow. stayed and everybody stayed for another hour and took pictures with the people that paid for meet and greet. So good for them. All right, so that's a net positive experience. Sounds like that's cool. And then uh, I believe Saturday morning. Uh, well, hang on. What time is it, Ethan? Uh, what time is it? Yeah, I think it's boss time. Now it's boss time. So I hear you met Sasha Banks this weekend, Ethan. I I did. I did. Uh, So after going to bed at like four, 
uh, in Brooklyn on Saturday morning. Uh, my saintly wife and I got up and went to a Cricket Wireless store in Brooklyn. We got there at like 8 a.m. Cool. For, for a signing that was supposed to start or that ran from 11 to 1. Um, we stood in line on the sidewalk in Brooklyn. My wife got sunburned. Um, <laughs> she's really a saint. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why she's married to me. Um, so we waited for four hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> Oof. And just made it into the store 15 minutes before the signing ended. And I was told that we were the 250 and 251st person uh, that had made it into the store. And the line stretched like a long city block behind us. Wow. So I'm not sure how many people. I don't know if it was another another 250 or another three, 400. I don't know. It was. She drew pretty well, is what I'm saying. Good for her. So, I, uh, a long-time listener, might remember that uh, I blew it last time I met Sasha Banks. And my mind just kind of went blank, and I didn't really say anything. And So this time, I this whole trip, really, aside from you know having a nice night out at a comedy club with my wife, the whole point of this trip for me was to have this photo of Sasha Banks and Trish Stratus who comprise one half of my wrestling Mount Rushmore uh, to have them sign this photo of them together at this year's Hall of Fame. Okay. And, and so I, uh, I am waiting in line, I'm waiting in line, and it's just kind of a very subdued uh, crowd, a lot of kids, I guess, not a lot of uh, not a ton of uh, 34-year-old men. <laughs> Always uh, a good sign. The less 34-year-old men, the better in yeah, general. Yeah. So get up there, like, uh, and then I'm like, hey, uh, how you doing? And uh, she's like, oh, good, good. So then she takes out, the, I take out the picture for her to sign. She's like, oh, man, what a great picture. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I know. Actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm, going to meet, I'm going to meet Trish tomorrow. And and she cuts me off. She's like, "Wait, Trish is here?" Uh-huh. Like, actually, actually, no. Trish is in uh, Trish is in like Philadelphia. Uh, right. We're we're just we're driving back. And she's like, "Oh, cool." Well, she's like, "Well, tell Trish I said hi." Uh-huh. And she said, "And tell her tell her to fight me." <laughs> and then she said something else that I can't repeat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was it was very funny. So then All we right. po- posed for my posed for my picture. And then my wife jumped in for another picture, and we thanked her, and got my autograph, and we left. And so, I had a little bit of shtick there. I had a little bit of um, of banter. It was good. I feel better about this than uh, my first meeting. Um, yeah. So that was my experience meeting Sasha Banks for the second time uh, on Saturday. And look at that. Timed that perfectly. We are now out of time. <laughs> what? Wait. A- That was boss time.
All right. So that's the that's the end of boss time. And then, uh, but I'll let you tell your story anyway, just for the sake of comedy. I end the segment. But uh, so then on Sunday morning, then you yes. meet Trish Stratus and I believe Lita as well. Yes. So okay, but start with Trish because that's the more interesting thing. Uh, just in general, and also based <laughs> on the fact that you had an interaction with Sasha about her. Right, right. That Trish also tweeted about, I saw. Yeah, yeah. It was, big weekend uh, for Ethan, everybody. I'm I'm kind of a big deal. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a big deal in the, uh, women's re- in the world of women's wrestling. All right, so, cool. So, yes, after being out, most of the night on Friday night, being up very early Saturday morning, going to NXT Saturday night. Um, I And then I, dra- I dragged my wife to Philadelphia from Brooklyn <laughs> on Saturday morning, or Sunday morning, rather, uh, to a, a horror movie con- convention. Oh. <laughs> it was like, it's called like, I mean, there are, you know, a bunch of, level celebrities to do appearances at these things like justin long was at this show and oh what's, um, what's he doing these days not a whole lot apparently uh <laughs> shannon elizabeth was at this show i don't uh, know who that is uh, american pie movie fame ah okay it was a, it was a popular teenage uh, sex comedy 20 years ago sure yeah um you know lots of like Kiefer sutherland is is booked by this this um the the company's primetime appearances that puts it on anyway so <clears throat> i guess the connection there is that hey wrestling fans will probably travel to this thing for horror movies too so they booked um uh, they booked booker t for saturday <laughs> and trish and leader for the whole weekend sure uh, the big three exactly three hall of famers so i uh I sign up for photo ops with Trish and Lita, so I get there and uh, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a pink uh, sport coat. Sure, like you do. Right, uh, and a Trish Stratus T-shirt, uh, which also had some uh, like pink graffiti on it or something. So mm-hmm. I'm like third in line for to uh, get for the Trish photo op. Okay. So um, I, I get in there. And uh, like, hi, Trish. And she's like, hey. And I'm like, uh, hey. So, like, the photographer is, you know, you know, you've been to these things before. Yes. They- early, earlier this year, I met uh, two stars of Smallville, and it was uh, a very quick thing. You're supposed to stand where they tell you to stand, look at the camera, smile, and that should be it, theoretically. Right. I I knew that this was my moment. And I ignored the camera, so I turn I turn my back to the camera <laughs> <laughs> while I talk to Trish. And by the way, Trish has a a. I noticed this, and this is interesting. And probably shouldn't be pointed out, but um, Trish has a good side in photos, I guess. <laughs> and then, like one side of her face looks a little bit um older than the Why other are you one? talking about this I, I i don't know anyway so you had to stand i noticed that you you had to stand on a certain side of trish mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. okay okay uh so i get in there and i'm like hey uh so i saw sasha banks yesterday she's like oh yeah and i said and she gave me a message to give to you mm-hmm. and she said to fight her and trish said okay well well now you have to take a message back to her <laughs> I'm like okay she's like 
tell her yes i will fight her okay <laughs> so like i got another match first i got this other match with alexa bliss in october but then i'm going to fight her and i can't wait to fight her I'm like, <laughs> all right all right that's awesome so then i we, we posed for the picture i really like the picture it's a good picture except you know if you're gonna get photographed next to 120 pound wrestlers all weekend boy i should have lost some weight anyway <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine so, uh, so then Trish, like, you know how, like, um, if you were a child, like a mom and you were wearing a sport coat, like how your, your mom would straighten your sport coat for you by like pulling, mm-hmm. pulling at the lapels. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so, so she like straightens my jacket. She's like, well, I really appreciate you getting dressed up and I like this pink color here and I like that it matches the color, the, uh, the pink on the t-shirt there. I really appreciate the effort that went into this. Thanks so much. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks, Trish. See you later. Thanks so much. I'll see you later. See you later. I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> so then I jumped out to get in line uh for my Lita photo. So jump in and meet Lita. It's like, whoa, look at you with my <laughs> with my bright pink sport coat. And I'm like, Yeah, uh-huh. I know. Thanks. Like, wow, you went really went all out. I'm like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, hey, uh, Marilyn I know Lita when she was starting out did some stuff with Maryland Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And the only indie match she's done like in the last decade was at an MCW show like four years ago. So I'm like, hey, I'm from Maryland. MCW is like our home promotion. Come back right. and see us. And she's like, oh yeah, real cool. So uh real quick photo there and uh and I'm out of line. So then we had to go around and wait for them uh, to finish up with the photo ops, got my photos printed, and then they were signing at a table. Mm-hmm. So I went and stood in line. The line for uh, Lita to, she was taking additional, they, they were taking additional photos and duo photos and mm-hmm. signing and signing at their, at their table. So the line for just Lita was, was, kind of short and then mm-hmm. and the line for trish was like stretched to the the back of the <laughs> the back of the room i feel like yeah it felt kind of felt kind of weird well, um, again to relate to my experience uh the line for the guy who played superman on smallville was very long and the line for the guy who played lex luthor on smallville by himself was uh was pretty short so yeah i feel like that's when you get signed as part of like a duo signing but then you have separate signings yeah that's i think that's kind of <laughs> how it goes the, the bigger star gets gets the long gets the longer line because yeah. some fans don't want to wait in line all day so basically they make a choice if i'm gonna make a wait in line for one person which one would it be trish right right, right. so i go, go up and uh I, I get lead it to sign the photo that we just took mm-hmm. like, oh hey just like how did how, how did it turn out i'm like mm-hmm. well i need to lose some weight but other than that <laughs> I, I think it turned out pretty great and so she looks at me she's like uh, yeah yeah it turned out great <laughs> So then she's like, uh, should I make this out to you? I'm like, yes, my name's Ethan. You can make it out to Ethan. Like, All right, thanks. And she's like, um, hey, I, the shirt matches the jacket. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I have I have Alita t-shirt too, uh, but at some point, you, you got you got to make a choice. <laughs> she's like, oh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> so I, I think I inadvertently insulted her. That was, yeah, I was going to say, everything up to now has been like super cool. And like a really nice interaction in a field where these women probably don't have interactions like this with men your age very often. Yes. And yes. then you just just kind of 
<laughs> it's not the worst thing you could have said. No, but I but wanted to say something little... like, I really respect the fact that you spoke out against WWE going to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and instead, yeah. what I said was, hey, at some point, you got to make a choice between Trish and Lita. <laughs> you basically said, you are my second favorite person appearing at this Comic-Con, <laughs> is what you said, or the Horror-Con. Exactly. So then I got in line uh, for Trish to sign the Sasha Banks and Trish photo. And uh, my wife got in line with me. I said, like, come on, you got to meet Trish. So uh -huh. my wife had kind of just been standing off to the side and watching me fanboy <laughs> um, all, all morning, which is really probably poor for my marriage. But anyway, um, oh, I, there was a minor dust up when uh, Lita signed X's and O's on, on the on the um on the picture uh -huh. and, and i had to assure my wife that i did not flirt with lita uh -huh. <laughs> in fact <laughs> i accidentally did the opposite <laughs> so so we get in line for trish to sign this photo and she i'm like hey trish uh this is my wife and uh we're you know we came up for the weekend and you know we went to brooklyn and for the sasha thing when and we saw you were you know we know you don't do a ton of appearances. We thought I'd hit you on this. Oh, yeah, yeah, So she's like, hang on. I'll be right back. So she goes and she has to go over and take another photo. Uh, so then she, <laughs> she pops back over and she continues the, uh, the conversation. And she takes out her phone and she takes two pictures of the picture of her and Sasha and uh, on her phone. <laughs> I oh. guess maybe she hadn't seen it before or I, I don't know. But um so then she signed and she really went out of her way to make small talk and make it appear as though she was interested in what we were saying <laughs> and made a point of saying, hang on, I'm interested in what you're saying, but I need to go do something, but don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. That's awesome. Um, even That's what you want, right? When you, yeah. When you pay yeah. money to meet somebody. Yeah. I, I've not had a lot of bad experiences meeting wrestlers. I've met a lot of wrestlers, um, but even by the standard... I think I think there's a thing with wrestlers where they realize that by and large their fan base is very loyal and by and large doesn't have a lot of money, and so if they choose to spend their money on you, you you should be appreciative. Sure. <laughs> and for that reason, I I haven't had a ton of bad interactions with wrestlers, but even by those standards, I think Trish is the nicest wrestler I've ever met. Um, That's awesome. And yeah, it it was great. Uh, that was really cool. So yeah, my my wrestling Mount Rushmore of Brett, Sean, Trish, and Sasha. I've now met all of them, and uh, yeah, I had to kick off Hogan for being a racist. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was that was my weekend. That's awesome. So I I it, that was such a nice end that I can't even like sarcastically knock you down a peg this week. <laughs> Because, well, for one thing, as we mentioned before, you don't have the ability to feel shame anyway. But even even in the context of comedy, that was such a nice, uh, for the most part, other than when you uh, <laughs> insulted uh, a woman you appear to have great respect for. Um, other than that, it was such a nice story that I feel I cannot do anything other than say, I'm really glad you got to meet some of your favorite wrestlers and had positive interactions with them. And would you look at that? We're out of time for the whole show this time. <laughs> hey, thanks for, thanks for dog sitting so that I could go do this too. You are very welcome. Uh, anytime, within reason. <laughs> um, all right. And until next week, I'm Liam. And I'm Ethan. And we'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life.
Adiós. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. If you can, uh, tell me what uh, the uh, plea deals and uh, charges today mean. Um, well, Manafort, it doesn't look like much of anything to me mm-hmm. because they're all like his personal like taxes and uh, like foreign bank accounts and uh-huh. such. So there's not a ton there other than he was working for the... It's another person who worked for the campaign who happens to have money tied up in Russia. Like, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it doesn't look good, but it's not, it's not the, neither of these are what I would consider a, you know, the thing that's going to, it's not the final nail. The news well, has not tightened completely yet, believe it or not. Well, the thing that I read was that just because Cohen has a plea deal, that doesn't mean that he can't not cooperate and then get pardoned. No, absolutely. That, in fact, they, yeah, that was in the language of whatever the plea deal he took is that he doesn't have to cooperate if he doesn't want to. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone... Which question, why would you give him a plea? Like, isn't the point of a plea <laughs> deal in any other time to let a guy give up someone above him? Like, isn't that kind of the point? That's what I thought, but I... Maybe, I guess it's not when you're, like, obscenely rich. I guess you can just get a plea deal for... Being a being a nice guy. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, with uh, with Cohen's, it's a little different because his d- do directly involve the campaign. So, right, you've got like a couple campaign finance violations that he's copped to, and uh, he's, I guess, said that he was directed to do so by the candidate. So, but that's again, that's not anything. <laughs> And, right. and again, it's like I don't. I don't think people understand what the word impeachment means, anyway. But right. I think right. we've talked about that before. It's like Bubba. Bubba was impeached. Yes. Bubba, like <laughs> the very problematic and, Bill Clinton I, was impeached. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, he still got to be president. And 
So I don't I don't know exactly what what I didn't see anything today that I thought this is demonstrably different other than yeah both of those guys will end up serving some actual jail time cool and yeah it's an it's a it's another great talking point for uh you know the news networks but other than that it's like uh i'm sure i'm sure keith elberman and (laughs) thinks it's it's the end but i have not seen anything to make me think that it's it's just another thing like you know like everybody knows it's like we know there's stuff tied in with russia it's just it doesn't matter unless you can connect it directly to him and like he's like i love to do crimes i love doing crimes with <laughs> russia unless that's on one of the tapes that uh, amorosa has or whatever uh i, I just don't, i don't know man it's just, just and it's like just if imagine just being like a democratic strategist and being like we don't need a message this <laughs> again this year we need to go further center it's like they learn nothing. They learn nothing from 2016. No, it's it's like going further center won them one election, which was Clinton's in in '92, and then again '96. It's like every basically since then, with a few exceptions, the the big success they had was Obama in '08, who was in at least in lip service was a very left leaning candidate. He talked about things like free health care and reforming the prison system and things that, like, you know, Democrats theoretically could actually get excited about. And what happened that year? He, along with the help of having, like, an incredibly unpopular man as the current president, swept in, you know, giant Democratic wins. They had control over all three branches. And then they did nothing. (laughs) And then since then... Since they got thrashed in 2010 and the Tea Party candidates started to win... Rather than looking at that, which was that the Republican base got really fired up and came out in larger numbers to vote, so we should fire up our base to get them to come out, their solution was, no, we're going to try to get some Republicans to vote for us instead. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I could talk for, speaking of things we could talk about for six hours, the gross incompetence of the strategists of the Democratic Party is that's, that's one of my bugaboos. Good times. Good times. I try to keep on keeping on.